things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Well, welcome, welcome. This is Patty Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And we're going to talk about how can I be a better communicator on my team? How can I understand what inspires, what motivates those that are around me? And understanding how to be a better team player uh, helps us to be able to work in a thriving workplace. It, to to do that, we have to understand like who's around us. What what do we need to do where I can ask the right questions and know those those people around me? What inspires them? What motivates them? How can I lean in and be a servant leader to the people that I am working with? And we are working with five generations. Um, this is the first time ever that we're all coming along. We have the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the um, millennials, the Gen Z, oh, the Gen X. And somewhere in there, there was a Gen Y and we somehow kind of discarded them or they just blended into the millennials, uh, which is an interesting uh, fact. Uh, I'm trying to think of Jason Forley. All of a sudden his name is not coming to me, but there, he does amazing research on all the all the generations that are coming together. And he talks about how the millennials are literally splitting in half. And it happens right around the age 30, which I don't know if that plays into generation Y or, or what happened there. But it's it's good to know not to stereotype. We're not putting them in boxes, but just to know where they are, what they're, what they're thinking, what happened in their formative years, you know, through the events that took place. It goes into their value system. It goes into um, how they move forward. An example would be if you're working with a traditionalist or um, a baby boomer who really respects um, more of that military org chart, uh, more um, organized, rigid place to come to work. And, you know, I think we all value respect, but it's how they see respect. So an example would be they grew up where if you said um, jump, then you would say how high. And then all of a sudden, Gen X and millennials, Gen Z, if you said jump, Instead of saying how high, they would ask why. Why do you want me to jump? What's the purpose of me jumping? Where does that fit into the bigger picture? And it's it's fascinating because for especially for the millennials and the Gen Z, uh, you can see where they take games. And I remember my son doing this. They get a they buy a cheat sheet. He would actually buy a cheat sheet after he just paid, you know, astronomical amounts for an Xbox game. And then they learn how to win the game by using the cheat sheet and then they back into it and then they play the game over and over and over again. But they look at it and they want the outcome because they will jump over certain steps because now they know how to win the game. So 
I, I find that fascinating when we're working on teams. If I'm asking somebody to do something and they're asking me why, rather than seeing it as disrespectful, like, oh, they don't value my authority, they just want to know where they fit in. What could, if you're casting the vision and you're giving them this is the mission that we're on, once they know the target, they're going to be able to back into it. And they might see a different way, a different step. Uh, their whole focus is, I want to work smarter, not harder. And as we look at these five generations, it's interesting because research shows that every day, 10,000 baby boomers turn 65. But even at 65, many of them do not have an exit strategy for retirement because of the 2008 recession. Um, and uh, several of them are now having their millennial, millennial children living with them and they're helping them get out of debt. Uh, they are continuing to work. So they're not making space for Gen Xers and for millennials to get promoted into those positions because they're not leaving. The U.S. workforce by 2020 will have 48% millennials, which is an interesting fact. This this comes from Deloitte Millennial Survey. 73% of them men and 79% women. So I don't know if this survey and this research is done where there are more men, uh, entrepreneurial uh, spirited men that are out there with their own companies. And we have more of the millennial women, but that, that was interesting that the 73% versus 79%. But let's take a look as we are t- team building. We, we see that companies fail um, because we're not rowing the boat in the same direction. We're not on the, the teams together, this cohesive spirit, collaborating, moving forward in this vision. And often it's because companies don't choose the right talent for the job as leaders. As a matter of fact, uh, research once again shows that a majority of time, 82% of the time, according to Gallup, we are putting the wrong skill set, the wrong talents at the top. And we hire them because perhaps their competency level, they were really good. Let's say we have an engineer that just blows your mind because he can intricately, you know, figure out these steps in this project. But the problem is they get promoted and they're really good at this skill set, but they're not at that leadership level. In other words, they don't necessarily have the EQ or the emotional intelligence to know how to treat people on their teams. And they don't do that um, pendulum shift where now they stop doing the project and start leading people. They want to continue to do what they do well. And that is the skill set. So now there's a team coming together with nobody really leading. Uh, There's no defined roles. And it's just like, hey, go do your thing. And they continue to do what they're really good at rather than um, delegating, stepping back, giving other people that role and managing others, which when I say managing, that's that's a very strong word because we know that managers tell and leaders listen. So we put these people in the position and they're they're telling people they're using that authoritative spirit in moving forward because now they have the title so they're demanding 
for people to listen to them, but they don't have the influence. In other words, they really don't know how to inspire and how to motivate and get people excited about what they need to do and how we can work on the the teams together. So bad managers cost businesses billions of dollars each year. And having too many bad managers can literally bring down a company. And especially right now during the pandemic, you see how leaders, the ones that are forward thinkers and being very progressive and they're jumping on um, what we need to do here. What's our next step? We're all in this together. How do we create this excitement to keep our customers, to keep our clients? You're really seeing leaders move to the top and you're going to see other businesses fail. And And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying because uh, a company is not flourishing, it's because they have poor leadership. Some of it is just what's going on and there's, there's really nothing you can do. But I'm saying in larger organizations, the, the ones that I, I've seen the ones that I'm working with, the ones that are on top of it and moving fast and quickly and moving forward and immediately having people jump on what we can do next and getting everybody's input, everybody's decisions. Those seem to be the ones that are, are rowing quickly and they're able to, you know, kind of move this 800 pound gorilla. So it's, it's just interesting. Uh, uh, well, a few tidbits as we are walking and moving forward in what it would look like to be involved in that thriving workforce. And perhaps you're the one that's going, ah, I just don't even know how to lead my team right now. I don't even know how to get through this COVID-19 time. What does a dream team even look like? And is it a place like when you wake up in the morning, are you launching yourself out of bed and you're so excited to get, get to work every day? And I, and that, Obviously, right now, it's not physically. It's even, am I excited to get on the computer and have these conversations with people and to jump into Zoom or WebEx or go to meetings, whatever it is, perhaps just those one-on-one phone calls. And just the other day, I was talking to someone that they started, instead of calling it one-on-ones, they started calling it fun-on-ones, just even changing the way we language things to make it um, exciting and to bring in those relationships because we know now with working with teams, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. So with that mindset, think back and imagine a time where you were on a dream team. Maybe it was through sports. Um, perhaps you were working in, a, I don't know, a nonprofit profit organization where you were putting a marathon together or, or some weekend event that you were excited. You came home at night and you felt good about what you were doing. Not just good um, that you were like happy with the end results, but you, you were inspired. You were motivated. You were brainstorming with this team. You were dreaming together. You had this big vision and you actually saw the deliverables of what would take place if the outcome that you had dreamed about was, was really coming into play and it truly happened. Perhaps It was a coach that inspired you. And to this day, you can look back to maybe elementary school or junior high or or high school or college, whatever it was, perhaps your parents, um, an uncle, an aunt, a teacher, and think about what attributes did they have 
that really stirred your soul. And I know John Maxwell talks about uh, the three things that really help people get excited when they're working on a team is to know when people like you and they value you. They value the skills that you're bringing to the table and they want you to be successful. When I think of some of the coaches and teachers that made a difference in my life, that's exactly what what it is, because you just, you can't really think of, okay, what were the attributes? You know, what was the behavior? And when it comes down to it, I can remember in fifth and sixth grade having a coach that it's because he really uh, was big on those relationships. He always made you feel good about yourself. It it's, goes back to that quote from Maya, the, um, you forget what people say, you forget what they do, but you'll never forget how they make you feel. And I was excited to see this coach because he made, he made me feel good about what I brought to the table. He made me feel like I had a skill set on, you know, be it track or volleyball, whatever it was, I was good at what I did. And I was, I was hitting the target for the bigger goal of our team and for us to be successful. Then I think back, of Mr. Kendall in, I was in student government. I was vice president of the student body. And he gave just that positive feedback at the end of the day. We actually, it was a class student government that we, we had credit for, um, just simply from, for being a part of the student body, um, student government. And I'll never forget the day he came to me and said, Patty, I really see you as a leader. And, I am putting in for you to go to a leadership conference in Colorado. And for me, I had never been on an airplane before in my entire life to have somebody like me this much, believe in me this much, value me to the point that I want you to be successful and I'm going to have the school send you to another state and fly you there was was over the top. And I really do think that had such a significant, um, it was transformational for me in moving forward when we have somebody believe in us in that way. So pause there and go, who are you doing that for right now? Who is someone in your life that you really are building up, They that you're a magnet for them? They want to be around you simply because you are letting them know, hey, I really value what you do. I value what you are, are bringing to the table. So what behaviors are valued when you are making an amazing team? And a couple of those things that I want to talk about right now is improving our communication. Because if we don't know who we are working with and we're not staying curious and leaning in, then we're missing some great opportunities to build those teams, to be successful. Uh, we so often get narcissistic and we're so about who, what we bring to the table that we're not adding and benefiting those around us. So I just want to pause there and go, okay, let's do some self-reflection on where am I with my interpersonal skills? Where am I with my social awareness? What kind of tone do I 
bring into a room. Do I go into a room and I'm just grumpy pants or do I go, go into a room where other people, you're, you're lighting them up. You really are shining their light where it makes a difference. Uh, you don't go into a room and just feel like you're invisible. You go into a room and you are engaged in those people around you. So what do I need to do here to develop good interpersonal skills? And the first one we're going to go over, and it'll probably be the only one we get a chance to go over today, is finding out more about those individuals you're working with. Asking probing questions. Um, asking open-ended questions when you're one-on-one with someone, invite comments. And I know some of you are hearing that. And especially for those of you who know me, you're like, whoa, Patty, but you do this uh, (laughs) as you, you know, for your life or living, you're used to doing, you know, the radio, you're used to interviewing people. I'm an introvert and I just can't think of what that would even look like. Or, I really don't like people asking me questions. I feel like you're interrogating me. I feel like you're interviewing me and I don't feel comfortable giving you that much information about myself. And that's where the interpersonal skills come in, where if you are interrogating someone and you can feel that they're uncomfortable, maybe they're looking at their phone or they're staring down or they're squirming a lot, feeling uh, you're just making them feel awkward. Be aware of that. But if you can see, yeah, they, they're they're lit, like they're going, hey, and they're, they're excited that you're asking and wanting to dig deeper into who they are. Um, an example would be, uh, I saw this the other day and I it, it, it made me chuckle when someone asked another individual where they where they grew up. And they were from two different uh, nationalities. And the one asking the other was like, where are you from? And he said, "Uh, from here. And she goes, no, 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 like before here. And he goes, still from here. And she said, no, 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 before that. And he said, like four generations from here. (laughs) So when when you get into that and you can see okay you're this is awkward perhaps this is a, a question that you um really shouldn't be pursuing or maybe there's a different way to ask maybe just saying uh, confiding in your heritage you know talking about hey I'm Irish and I find it really interesting because some of our traditions are xyz and if they're not adding input into that then don't go there So have that emotional intelligence to figure out, okay, I can either move forward with these open-ended questions or I need to redirect. And what I'd like to do is to challenge you to ask some questions tonight as you're all quarantined. Maybe it's with your spouse or your kids or your sweet mate, whoever you're around to take the time, because if we're not practicing this, then we're not doing it on our teams as well. So take the time to practice it as we're um, in our homes together. And an example would be if I were to ask um, Ben, our sound guy and producer, hey, you know, how's it going? And he says, fine. So I can leave it at fine. And then talk, go ahead and hijack the conversation and t- 
tell him about my fine or I can go, oh, it's fine. Huh. On a scale of one to 10, what does fine look like? And he says, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It was a three. And I go, oh, okay. It's a three. What would make it a 10 tomorrow? What would make tomorrow be a better day to where it looks like a 10? And he says, well, if I had a chance to go cycling or, uh, you know, go on a hike or do something outdoors. It's just, I was, I was stuck inside the studio all day long and I never had an opportunity to really take that time and be by myself. So that's what we're talking about. Asking open-ended questions by asking one and then unpack it from there. Like invite comments into that. So your homework, once again, for tonight is to ask somebody a question And then don't let it stop there. Don't let that answer just die right there. Ask three open-ended questions that will invite more comments. And then from there, actually listen. Actively listen. Listen to truly understand. Don't don't listen in such a way that all you're thinking is, what is my next open-ended question? Like truly hear what they're saying and be fully present, okay? What are they saying? What's really going on in their world right now? How can I get to know them better? And when we do this, what happens as I've been leaning into mediation and doing more and more of this, it helps that conflict resolution. It actually stops from having the conflict because we're truly communicating with each other. And when we are there empathically listening and clarifying by asking more questions, then we're not rushing through and what we think we heard them say, which turns into this negative narrative in our head. And then we start formulating who we are when we're with them and it changes. And I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, One time I was mediating with a group of, they were in the medical field and it was um, surgeons and nurses. And first of all, when they all came together, you could feel the tension, like you could cut it with a knife. They truly had disdain for each other. And it was getting to the point where this particular organization was getting ready to have to go union. And the leader said, let's let's make this one last ditch effort and let's go through mediation. Let's go through like a conflict resolution training and see what happens here. So they come in and they dump all their dirt on the table, like all of this uh, junk and conflict is, you know, first it was kind of hard to get them talking. And then once they started talking, it was, it was hard for me because I'm supposed to, you know, stay omnipartial and stay very neutral uh, to, to actually hear some of it. But what I have found is when you truly listen to understand, when you hear one side of the story, I'm always blown away. I have a tendency to lean into the victim, the one that I feel is is truly struggling. And then you'll hear the other side of the story and you go, whoa, okay. 
Good thing I heard both sides because that was pretty crazy. So in this particular scenario, the the surgeon had put on the whiteboard is their form of communication. You would, you know, put what they were doing in surgery the next day. So that way everybody could have a bird's eye view of the whiteboard. And he happened to put a certain nurse's name for surgery. Well, she had already put in to have that day off because there was a big event. Her, her son was in a school play and blah, blah, blah. She had already requested that. So when she saw her name up on the whiteboard, she was pretty irritated. And she sent him a text message, which was another way. They really didn't take the time to do a lot of emails. They would just text each other back and forth. And she said, can I get a substitute for surgery tomorrow? Well, he responded with an emoji that was the grimace where the teeth are kind of grinding together. Because he was from a different generation, once again, a traditionalist, where he saw it as a smiley face. So he was just like, yeah, sure, no problem. Well, she took that as, okay, I'm really irritated that you're even asking. And no, you just annoyed me. You need to be there for surgery. So then this person does what often we have a tendency to do is we then go around and we start telling people. Um, and, and the story gets bigger and and even more bitter. And instead of giving this the scenario of, hey, this is all taking place from an emoji, she's simply just saying, you know, I asked him if I could replace myself and he's saying, no, I can't believe this. I asked for it off. And now, you know, he's this egotistical jerk. I can't believe he's so arrogant. He thinks he's God, that he can just put whoever he wants, you know, in for the surgery. And This went on and on and on, uh, this negative narrative. So I don't know about you, but if you go in for surgery, I don't want that kind of conflict. I don't want that kind of of anger. And uh, as we were unpacking this, we were able to find out that a lot of the dynamics was, was, was all through miscommunication, even if it was down to an emoji. So I just want to stop there And we're going to end today's uh, show in what do we need to do? Reflect on that. How do we improve our communication even down to what emojis are you sending that could be uh, mistaken? And we can't clarify that sometimes. So I just want to thank you today for the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, I hope you were able to pause, self-reflect, and go into tomorrow with a different mindset. Create space to reconsider what part you are playing in growing those around you? How are you modeling what you would like to see as you move forward and create a fabulous place to be, a place where you can thrive? And what that looks like, once again, is as a team, How are we putting all these generations together? How are we looking at the strengths and the gifts that the the skill set that we can truly value rather than putting them in a box and going, oh, yeah, you're a baby boomer. Okay, boomer. You know, these snarky comments that we think about versus, hey, what wisdom do you bring to the table? What 
What do you value here? The millennials being able to ask these why questions and know where do I fit in, developing those good interpersonal skills, finding out more about each other by asking those probing questions, those open-ended questions, and inviting those comments. And once again, actively listening. Now, I will say that this particular um, medical center, they were able to move forward and kind of clean up the dirt and the junk that they dumped on the table. And what's beautiful, it's just, it's a sacred moment when you come together and you go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you thought that. I'm so sorry that I said that. And so even think of that Who's someone in your life that you can go, maybe there's some miscommunication there. I need to forgive myself, forgive you, and just apologize and be able to to move forward. So with that, I just want to thank you for listening to Girlfriend It today. I hope that helps, and I hope that you go out there and have an awesome, beautiful day and thrive. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. CNN reported on a study by the National Center for Health Statistics that found that teenage males were the most frequent consumers of sugary drinks, including sodas, sweetened waters, and energy, sports, and fruit beverages. They guzzle about 252 to 273 calories every day from various drinks. The intake of these sugary drinks has multiplied over the last 30 years. When soda pop was first invented, it was an extravagance that most people had every once in a while. But now it's a daily fixture in American life. And whether they are sold in fast food drive-ups, vending machines, convenience stores, or other venues, sugary drinks are easily accessed. Cutting out these drinks is a vital part of healthy living. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook.
thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.